is Jimmy Scroggins, and I'm the lead pastor of Family Church in South Florida. Welcome to the Church for the Rest of Us podcast. On our podcast, we're committed to giving you scalable ideas that you can use with the resources you have right now at your church. So welcome to Church for the Rest of Us. Hey everybody, we're back in the studio today. We're continuing our series on multi-site church for the rest of us. And today we're talking about a topic that's near and dear to my heart. And that is the fact that we are a multicultural multi-site church. And we have some really great guests with us today, Leslie. We do. I'm super excited. So let's take a minute to let each one of our guests introduce themselves. So let's go ahead and start with you, Chuck. Yeah, I'm Chuck Carter. I'm lead pastor of Family Church Central Florida, the Orlando area. Not a part of the network, but we definitely stole your name. We <laughs> love it. In fact, yeah. we had spent a lot of money with a marketing firm, and they came back with just crazy stuff. And finally, I walked in and said, hey, we're going to be Family Church. We we were First Baptist Windermere. We now have five campuses. Only one of those is in Windermere, so we had to change the name. Yeah, we're a multicultural, multi-site. We have an African-American gospel campus. We have a Spanish community, a Brazilian community, and five locations. Yeah, and I so appreciate you, Chuck, because as you said, like we share a name, but we're not organizationally connected, although we are close friends. And your son, Seth, is one of the pastors at Family Church. Absolutely. And I just can't thank you enough, (laughs) you know, for what you're doing in his life and Stephanie and the kids. Thank you so much. Well, they're very, very dear to us, and it really is a privilege to have you with us in the studio today. How about you, Watson? Let's talk about Watson Vasconcelos. Oh, you always get the last name right. Watson Vasconcelos. I've been with Family Church for five years. My wife and I, we started a Bible study for people that speak Portuguese in our home. And as it grew, it grew in a way that it was too much for just one man to handle, just a couple to handle. And we came into a partnership with Family Church five years ago, and it's been a blessing to us. Yeah, so Watson meets on Sunday nights on the campus where we have uh, Family Church Gardens. But Watson, you have over 100 people that gather almost every Sunday, and it's all in Portuguese. It's really a tremendous thing, and you see a lot of people saved. Yes, it's been a blessing, especially the last couple of months. More and more people are coming, and actually where we have the church, it's like a wealthy area, so we don't have a lot of Brazilians living there, but people are driving from 40, 50 minutes to get to our church. We had uh, about 150 people this last Sunday. Oh, wow. So your preaching is just getting good, man. That's what's happening. I think it's my hair. Yeah, <laughs> probably so. All right, Pastor Kevin, what about you? Kevin Smith moved to South Florida in the fall at the invitation of my good friend. Before that, I was a state exec in Southern Baptist Life in Maryland and Delaware, and I've spent my life trying to be about Ephesians 4, the unity of the body and the bond of peace through Christ, and so excited to have this discussion. Yeah, so Kevin, you and I have been friends over 20 years, and we became friends. Kevin, you were the pastor of a traditional black church yes. in Louisville. Yes. And I was a pastor at a, a traditional white church in Louisville, and we were just became good friends in That's that right. context. And it's so awesome that now we get to you know serve together. And who, who would have believed that God would have put all of that together? So that's really, really good. So let's talk about multicultural church. Guys, I wonder, Kevin, if you'd start, and why don't you give us a definition that you like of a multicultural church? I like the definition of Christ by His Spirit putting together all the divisions that we see in the first 15 chapters of Acts. Mm -hmm. And so a multi 
whatever church, multicultural, multi-ethnic, multinational, mm-hmm. stems around those divisions that the New Testament shows us that the love of Christ is able to overcome, whether it's in Colossians 3 or in Galatians 3, is generally male and female, sex issues, Jew or Gentile or Jew or Scythian ethnicity issues, and then bond or free economic issues. Mm-hmm. And so how the gospel is able to overcome these earthly divisions and make us one family in Christ. So multi-whatever is that work of the Spirit making people who should be different and divided different and united in Christ Jesus. Yeah, amen. How about you, Chuck? You want to add anything to that? No, I agree with that. But what it means for us also is that we recognize some of those differences. Mm -hmm. And we want to give them a context where Mm -hmm. they are able to express those differences there's nothing like somebody who's Spanish to hear their heart language yeah. in music and in preaching. So it means that things are going to get more complicated yes. is what it means. Yes. Yeah, I think that's a great point because, you know, one of the things that we want to do at Family Church, I know you do at Family Church Central Florida, is we don't want to just sort of have everyone assimilate and be the same. Right. Right. We want people to be able to express themselves in their own kind of heart language and in in a format that they believe in that speaks to who they are. And the truth is, we can do that in a multicultural church and all of us can enjoy it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When I grew up, one of the American images, which obviously we've not fulfilled, was the melting pot. Right. Mm -hmm. Multi is much more a salad. Mm Mm-hmm. And so a salad is one thing, but you taste the different pieces. You Mm -hmm. know when there's onions in there, when there's not, when there's mandarin oranges in there, when there's not. So a salad is a much better picture than a melting pot, Mm. which kind of has an assimilation element to it. Right, because that's the key is that we're not trying to make everyone act like they're the same because we're not the same. That's right. And that's okay. That's part of the beauty of it all, isn't it? Yes, sir. How about you, Watson? Now, you actually were born in Brazil, immigrated here became a Christian as an adult. How do you feel about that? I agree with that when we talk about a salad. It's great because there are so many parts there and you can enjoy the salad even if you don't like everything that's in it. (laughs) But you can enjoy it. And that's that's what we do uh, at our church in Portuguese. People come and they come from all different backgrounds, different states. Some of the Brazilians that are coming to our church, some came from Brazil. Some were born here. So we all have different mindsets, Mm -hmm. but we can get together on Sundays mm-hmm. at the foot of the cross, and we can agree on something, that we can mm-hmm. worship Jesus mm-hmm. together. Yeah, and I think that's part of what we're trying to do, and I don't think we do it perfectly, but we want to make sure that we are allowing for multicultural expressions of our faith in Jesus Christ. So it's not like, hey, we're all just going to show up at family church, and no matter what your background is, but then we're all just going to sing the same like Hillsong music. All right, or we're all going to sing the same quartet music or country music, or we're all going to say we're not all going to sing the same black gospel music or the same salsa music. We want to have these different expressions at all times so that people recognize that we're a salad. Yes, and we want, like you said, Watson, yes. it's okay if you onions aren't my favorite, but I'm eating the salad. I like that idea. We were singing Amazing Grace, and people were generally responsive, but then one of our pastors did a verse of it in Creole, and like. You know, dudes that were just kind of like standing there. I mean, they just engaged in a whole different way when they heard it in their heart. They heard their heart like, oh, wow, you see me. Yes, you see me. Yes. Yes. And so it was just a blessing. Yeah, that's really awesome. 
I wonder if you would add anything, Pastor Jimmy, to that idea of what is multicultural. Well, I've just had to learn a lot. I'm still learning so much because my dad is a football coach. I've been raised in locker rooms and around public school football teams and college football players and all. And so I've been around people from different backgrounds, which I mostly mean white guys and black guys because we didn't really have, I don't know, Asian guys and Hispanic guys on the football Mm -hmm. team. That's who was there. So I feel comfortable in those environments. But the truth is, all of my friends, the churches that we went to, the way that we voted, the way that we talked about culture and politics and even cultural issues was pretty monochromatic. Until I came here to South Florida, I was never actually a part of a church that was significantly multicultural, nor did they intend to be. Mm -hmm. And coming here, you just realize if we're going to be the church of Jesus Christ in this context, we're going to have to look like our community. And so it's crazy that this you know, kind of redneck from North Florida is a pastor of a church like this because I actually don't know how to do this. <laughs> and so it's kind of like, it's kind of like, I'm just trying to figure it out. But because of what Kevin said, and I've learned a lot from Kevin about this over many years from the Bible, because the one mm-hmm. thing Kevin's always, he's always quoting Bible verse. And I never know what it really is. You know, he's like, you know, cause like Galatians three. And I'm like, oh man, I got to look that I, up. Let's go check that. Yeah. <laughs> I just nod like I know, but I don't really know. And so I go back and think, what is he talking about? And I've just learned a lot that the Bible actually says a lot about it. And so I've actually, mm-hmm. we talked through the book of Acts in 2010. We talked through the book of Acts in 2021. And I was reading the book of Acts completely differently than I ever have in my life because I just have some new eyes that some friends have. People have trained me and taught me. That's now, really context good, yeah. matters. Okay. When I preached through Acts at Watson Memorial Baptist Church in Louisville, historically black church, I preached through it and we received it and it was a different kind of thing. When I preached through Acts at Highview and we were in those first 15 chapters and the tensions of everyone coming together yeah. after the day yeah, of Highview was our church in Louisville, Kentucky. Was, yeah. It was a totally different same scripture, same text and everything, yeah. but it was just totally different. So the context of teaching those things really matters. Yeah, I think that's right. So I that really leads right. us to this conversation because we want to think about how we can become intentionally more mm. multicultural. So we've been in context, a lot of us that weren't multicultural. I think someone once said, I'm not sure who, that 11 a.m. on Sunday morning is the most segregated hour in America. So we want to be overcoming that idea and being more multicultural. So how can we be intentional about that? Mm. Pastor well, Chuck? I know this is part of your language too, but we want campuses that speak the community language to minister. You've got an address for a reason, right? And we became multicultural and multi-ethnic because that's who we are as a community. You're in Florida. This is not Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia. You're in Florida. And so we have a Brazilian population that lives around Orlando. And so we have a Brazilian congregation because that's who God has called us to reach, our neighbors around us. And so I think that, you know, we had talked about how do you become multicultural? And I think context again, I'm going to think differently if I'm in rural Alabama Mm -hmm. than if I'm in Windermere, Florida. Mm -hmm. So because I'm in Windermere, Florida, really for us, the divider is not skin color, It's socioeconomic issues. And yet the truth is I can't reach the Hispanics who don't speak English. I don't speak gospel like our black pastor speaks. He knows he gets it. So all that to say is I think you're the context of your community. If it's there, then you need to find a way to reach the people who are there. And I think the most important thing is who's on the platform matters. 
if you're, I grew up in a traditionally white church, just like you were, and if somebody came in who was a minority and they didn't see that on the platform or displayed in any way mm-hmm. in the church, that's not really saying we're inviting you in. Now, it doesn't have to be the lead pastor and be worship team or whatever, but I do think that you need to represent who you're trying to reach in leadership as quickly as you can. And I think to that point for your listeners, you need to be called of the Lord. You need to love the Lord. You need to be faithful to the scripture. But I do think there's some cultural competencies that you really want to examine if you're considering church planting or revitalizing in a more homogeneous area versus a more heterogeneous area. So if I'm trying to do multi-anything in ministry, you know, is my life Mm multi-anything? So I've had the privilege of kind of Pursuing Ephesians four from a historically See black what I'm church. About, guys? <laughs> <laughs> Look it up, boys. <laughs> Endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Right, right. I've had the opportunity to pursue that from a historically black church where it became more and more diverse, and then I've had the opportunity to pursue that from a kind of historically white church that became more and more. And I think the key is really the relational IQ and relatability of those leaders. And do you enjoy that? I mean. Right. I know people that just don't like salad. (laughs) And so when I see something different, when I hear something different, is my knee-jerk reaction curiosity and interest? Or is my knee-jerk reaction, ah, that's different. That's not how I mean, so for a pastor or a ministry leader, some things are like really doing some honest self-evaluation. Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. Peter was the apostle to the Jews. It's fine to be faithful to God in different contexts and realize perhaps you're not, you wouldn't be as effective in a particular context. Mm -hmm. I think it's really hard to be more multicultural than your community. Yes. You know what? I'm not saying that you can't be, but it's just difficult to be. Whereas like in South Florida, if our church was not a multicultural church, it's because we're putting up some kind of barriers because that would be a weird thing in South Florida because my neighborhood is multicultural. Mm -hmm. The Publix I go to is multicultural. Mm -hmm. The the school where my kids go. So so if church wasn't, it's almost like, what are y'all doing wrong at church that you're not even being like everywhere else everybody goes? Yes. So yeah. let, yes, so let's free up some people. <laughs> I preach at this church every year. I'll stop calling them out, but they're in Kentucky. They're like, oh, brother Kevin, we just wish we were more ethnic and blah blah. I was like, look, stop wishing that. I, I've driven all over your town. Ain't nobody here but white folks. Stop, 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 stop feeling bad about what can't be reflected because it's not in the demographics of your area. Right. The bottom line is your church should be open to anyone in your community that you would share the gospel right. with. And at that, we have people in our community who only speak Spanish, only speak Portuguese. That's right. So I've got great pastors who that's their language. Yes. Right. And so we just as a church have to embrace that, mm-hmm. that we want. And so, and it also brings such a richness to the church yeah. when you have that. It does. Watson, like- how do you feel about that? Because you're one of those guys, you have a church, the people who are going to come to your church come because they can speak Portuguese because they want to. And almost all of them speak English because they speak English in every other area of their life, but that's a place they can come, one place they can come and hear their heart language. How do you feel about being a part of a constellation of churches like this? Yes, I can add to that because I've been here, I lived most of my life here because I moved here when I was 18 right? and now I'm 46. So I, I, old, I was, I, I was, I was, you know, I was part of English speaking service 
church with my wife and my kids. My kids were born here. I have an 11-year-old and a 20-year-old. I was going to an English-speaking service for four years. And we met some Brazilians there. And after service, we would have coffee with them for 40 minutes after service because Brazilian, there is a difference there. Brazilians don't want to go home because when they meet other Brazilians, they want to get together. It's their only chance to share life together. Right. So how our church started, we were at table five, seven, ten. And then I say, let's go to my home on Thursday nights. I play a little bit of guitar. Let's have a Bible study in Portuguese. Let's see what happens. And what happens is that we almost got kicked out of our homeowners association <laughs> because we had more people yeah, than yes. we could handle in my home. Yeah. And during the first year that we had the Bible study in Portuguese, all of those people that we met at church, they would come to our home. Now we're doing Bible study in Portuguese, their own language they could understand. First year that we met in my home, we had 19 baptisms. Mm, and I'm like, I, I think this is growing. I think this is more yeah. than a Bible yeah. study. Yeah. Because they wanted to hear in their own language. Yeah. And I think that's so vital to Watson because every area nowadays, I mean, even if you're in a small town, you have pockets of people who are living in your town or in your area that speak something besides English. You just do. Mm -hmm. And so even if you say, well, yeah, well, in our area, it's not going to work to bring all of those, you know, Hispanics that are here working, agricultural workers into our church. It's not going to work. Okay. But what are you going to do? I mean, are you going to do something? Are you going to plant a church with them? Are you going to create an opportunity for them? I mean, what are you going to do? And I think that's so powerful watching that you just sort of intuitively led by the spirit. You and Mary just figured it out, you know. <laughs> and I loved when I talked to one of the pastors here at Family Church when I had a group of people with me, which was a Bible study in Portuguese, and were thinking about merging because I couldn't handle just by myself. And they said, so what are you, Watson? And I couldn't say I was a pastor. I say I have a Bible study. But how many people <laughs> yeah, yeah. do you have? About 100 people. <laughs> and I thought I was a Bible study teacher. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, God's called you to be a pastor. You're a really effective pastor. We're better for it. Yeah. So as we think about some of these cultural distinctives that come into play, I mean, you're speaking about language, but I just wonder if there's anything else that you would address, Kevin, when you think about cultural distinctives in a multicultural church. I think it's helpful to distinguish multiracial, multiethnic, and multicultural. And I would say with ethnic, I also would talk about nationality because you can have a congregational setting where if you looked in there, everyone in here has white skin or everyone in here has black skin or everyone in here is speaking Portuguese and still realize that as a pastoral leader, as a congregational leader, there's still tremendous diversity and differences and possible divisions that one would have to overcome. Certainly multiracial would be something with the history of things in the United States. You will, for example, you can have the Lord changing someone and two people can have a background that had a lot of different things about race. And then to be able to develop brother and sister household of God relationships at Highview, I would have these panel discussions, having eight or 10 people back when stuff like Ferguson was going on. And just for people to tell the story of like, how has race interacted in your life? And how have you thought about race? And how are you raised to think about race? And realizing that, yeah, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And you can have two white people on here with totally different stories, two black people with totally different stories. And so multiracial is a significant thing. And then multi-ethnic, you know, we had a Hispanic congregation, Spanish-speaking service at Highview. And I mean, that pastor had serious work to do because 
there were Mexicans in there, Puerto Ricans in there, Cubans in there, and they were all kind of like multi-ethnic and multi-nationalistic kind of tensions and challenges going on. We used to joke, everybody had tension in there except the Cubans because they knew and everybody else knew they were at the top. And then everybody else. <laughs> but I mean, that's a pastoral, that's a pastoral challenge yeah. bringing that kind of union. So multiracial, multi-ethnic, and then multicultural, that gets to the things of style and clothing and all those kind of things. And that's really a great challenge, especially in a multi-site situation. And I love our language. We want to have a family resemblance as you stretch across five and then 10 and then 15 and on and on number of neighborhood churches within a network. And so I think those words mean different things. And the pastoral leader and the small group leader, congregational leaders have to be thoughtful about how they approach those things. Well, I think, Kevin, you touched on something really important. So a lot of people, for like from a white guy's perspective, a lot of time they think, well, Hispanic, that's all one thing. Black, that's all one thing. But it's not. <laughs> it's not. So like the church you pastor, Family Church Village, it's majority black, but it's not all one thing. No, actually, it's probably majority Caribbean, Haitians, Jamaicans, U.S. Virgin Islands. And so, yeah, yeah, a black guy born in Florida or Washington, D.C. is like the minority in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and there are serious differences. Oh, yeah. And the same thing happens in our Hispanic. I'm sure you experience the same thing, Chuck. Yeah. And in fact, when Watson was talking, it just, you know, there's such a learning curve on my side. But our Brazilians meet on Sunday morning and Sunday night, Mm. different campuses. Sunday morning, it's an hour service. It's kind of what you'd expect. Sunday night, they're there three, three and a half hours, right? (laughs) So their service is going to be an hour and a half. Then they're going to the gym. They're going to eat food. They're going to hang out. And they're going to leave at 11 o'clock. I mean, I'm just <laughs> there going, Those are the Brazilians that are not so American. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I'm thinking there is no way that's going to work with, you know, the more majority of the church. So it's just understanding and embracing those distinctives. And then we do a lake baptism every year. And the Brazilians cook barbecue for us whenever mm. we go. So mm, uh, we eat right well there. when we go. Yes. Well, I tell you, I know just personally, so. So some of the closest friends that we've developed here in South Florida are all Cubans. So we get together with our families all the time. And it's just like the Scroggins family and like two or three Cuban families. And all these people are born in America and everything. But And so what always happens is about nine o'clock, I'm ready to go home. They're just getting going. And so they actually laugh. They go like, well, so they even talk about like what they're going to do after the Scroggins leave. Because <laughs> they know we're leaving. Yes. It's a nighttime culture. Man. I got to go home. Yeah. So well, what are some challenges? And I wonder if you could put your finger on, Watson, I will start with you. What are some challenges that we face with trying to truly be a multicultural church where we're expressing and embracing and living out true equality, brotherhood and sisterhood. What do you think are some challenges to that? I think one of the challenges is how to be it with balance. Mm. Like at our church, Sunday night, I have the Brazilians that want to stay there. Our service is from 6 to 7.20. I have the people that at 7.20, they're ready to go home. Right. But I have the people that want to be there until 9 p.m. Right. So how to have a balance, how to be a multicultural and care with the Brazilians that are Brazilians and the Brazilians that are Americanized and have a balance with that. So we can have a multicultural, we can have different style of services, but we can care for those families at the mm-hmm. same time. So finding a balance 
for that. Yeah, it's check amazing. out one about one how what are some challenges you face with that? Yeah, you know, for us it's always reminding ourselves we're not an Anglo church with a Spanish service or right. a Brazilian good point. Man, so good. Service. We are a multicultural church, mm. which means every decision we make affects everybody across the board. So if this is a printed piece, it's got to come in Portuguese, Spanish, English. So it's just constantly thinking those issues through. Well, that's a great point because like you said, if so, if we're going to say to our people at Family Church in Portuguese or our various Spanish congregations, if we're going to say, hey, you're us, we're all together, we're yeah. all equal, we're all partners, we're in a network. But hey, when we do a website, y'all don't really get right. a website in uh, Portuguese. Then yeah. how does that make them feel? Yeah. And so we've got, that's a great point. Kevin, I wonder if you that's have some good. thoughts about that. I think it's very important to realize that most differences are not biblical or spiritual, but historical and experiential. Mm. And so when we have differences that are historical or experiential, don't ascribe spiritual weight to that. Like, oh, you're unfaithful or you're this or this. So an example is, you know, many black Americans love their country and have a certain angst about our history of race. And so we're able to critique some things because it's a narrative of coming out of history involving slavery. Whereas many of the people I pastor that are first and second generation, their narrative of America is this is the promised land we've been trying to get to. Yeah. And so they're not down for all that negativity and critique. <laughs> right. and, all. and when right. you, they look at that, what are you whining about? Right. And, and so just realizing the differences. And that's even, that's two different black people. That's two different, but that's, those differences are historical and experiential, right. not biblical or spiritual. And so it shouldn't be breaking up and affecting our fellowship as brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. And I think some of the things that challenge me the most are just, you know, when you recognize you're going to be a multicultural church, if you're committed to that, in which we are, you just realize that this ain't a joke. This isn't mm-hmm. everybody just sort of lining up with how I see things. Mm-hmm. If you really want to be multicultural, there's going to be people with different experiences, with a different history than I have, a different perspective, and they're going to want that perspective to be heard, mm-hmm. recognized, and validated. Mm-hmm. And so whether that comes to who we're going to vote for or how we see different policy decisions that are made governmentally or how we present certain things congregationally or how we respond to various crises around the world in the news. So an example of that would be just this war that's happening in the Ukraine. Mm -hmm. So in our church, we have Russians and Ukrainians. (laughs) So I'm careful to speak about the Russian leadership versus the Russian people. I have Chinese people. It's Chinese people. So I'm careful to speak about the Chinese Communist Party versus the Chinese people. Right. Yeah. Those kind of things, you have to be very, I think, thoughtful about those things. Yeah. And so those are the kind of things where you're just going to recognize that an ethnic Russian who grew up in Moscow, who's a believer, is going to watch the news differently Mm -hmm. than a Ukrainian or a guy like me who's, I'm an American. I was in the army. My kids are in the army. Like, I... You know, I grew up on Rocky Four. you know, so it's kind of like, <laughs> hey, the multicultural leader has to recognize his or her own prejudices, where yeah. you come from. Yeah, I grew right. up in the 70s. We were doing drills under the desk. So I, I hated <laughs> yeah, Russia yeah. growing up. I mean, right. so, you know, you need to realize your own whatever you have going on with you. Well, I'd like to kind of just go around and wrap this up. I wonder, so we have people listening. Some of them are multi-side, some of them are not. Some of them are 
heavily, you know, they're walking way down the road already on having a multicultural church. Some of them have an interest in it, but aren't sure where to start. Mm-hmm. If there's one piece of advice you could tell somebody, here's one baby step. Here's just one place to start if you're not already doing it. What would you say to them, Watson? I would say not just think about it or pray about it, but have representation. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because you can't find out what hurts the Portuguese speaking people. You don't know what hurts their feelings, what's not going to work on their services. When you have like a person like me that I grew up in Brazil, I know what they like, I know what they feel. We can have what we have at Family Church and translate it into Portuguese in a way mm-hmm. that they're going to receive it and know that we're all one church. So mm-hmm. have representation when they walk into church and they mm-hmm. see that they are welcome and they're represented. Yeah, that's a good word. How about you, Chuck? Well, that's great. I would say study your community, know who your community is. And then really honestly say, are we the ones to reach? We need to be a part of it no matter what, but can we get a strategy to reach our community? And I'm just going to say, and this one thing I appreciate about you, Jimmy, it takes great humility from the lead pastor to really do this mm-hmm. because you're mm-hmm. empowering other people to do pastoral work. And and so our Spanish and our Brazilian pastor, for those congregations, that's their pastor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm the pastor I mean, they're the ones that are... They don't care about me, man. (laughs) You're exactly right. And so you really have to have a kingdom mindset to do this. Yeah, Uh, I think representation and knowing your community are vital points. And a lot of that, some of that will involve selecting leaders. And so I think a most important tool is a book by Brian Loritz. Mm. It's called Right Color, Wrong Culture. And it just helps you think about selecting leaders, because if leaders matter and representation, those kind of things matter, then those particular people matter. And I think, you know, we have different gifts. First Corinthians 12, we have to recognize that everyone does not have the the competencies to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Leslie, you've been a part of our church and we've undergone quite a transformation since you've Mm. been a member here in the early 90s. I wonder if you'd like to kind of give us the last word. Well, one of the biggest lessons I think I learned from you, Pastor Jimmy, that would apply to anyone who's a platform speaker is speaking people into the room. Mm. So whether the people are actually there or not, letting people know that they are welcome. And so Mm. just saying from the platform, we are a multicultural church. Everyone is welcome here. It doesn't matter to us if you speak English as your heart language or Spanish as your heart language. It doesn't matter the color of your skin, you know, with male, female. I mean, just speaking that out, which is mm-hmm. biblical, and that makes people feel welcome. And then yeah. as they come, you know, then becomes true. Amen. Yeah, and I hope that that's true. Hey, I just want to say to all of our listeners, thank you for listening today. I want to say to our guests, thank you for being on the podcast today. And I hope that you'll share this podcast with a friend. If it ministers to you or speaks to you, leave us a rating on your favorite podcast platform. That would be a huge help to us. Or go to familychurchnetwork.com to sign up for email updates. I'm Jimmy Scroggins with Leslie Bennett, Watson Bosconcelos, Kevin Smith, and Chuck Carter, Church for the Rest of Us. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to check out familychurchnetwork.com to chime in on our blog or follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins. We want to connect with you and learn from you because we're in this together. We're all learning from each other. We are church for the rest of us.